Hello to all of you who are joining us online. If the online worship is your primary way of connecting with Bethel, then my voice is a new one to you. I am pastoral intern Monica Holman, and my introduction to you today is with a gospel passage that's it's a bit of a tricky one, and it requires a little bit of explanation because there are some things in this passage from Luke that sound pretty strange to modern ears unless you have a little bit of background information. So I'm going to give that to you before I read the passage from Luke chapter 20. So in this gospel text, Jesus is being asked a question by a group of Sadducees. Now, why is that important? So the Sadducees were one of the three major sects of Judaism in Jesus's day. They were generally wealthy, aristocratic, politically powerful, and had strong ties to the temple system, and therefore they were closely allied with Rome. So that means Jesus is in Jerusalem when he's talking to these Sadducees, and any question that he's being asked is one of high stakes. So what they ask him about is something that sounds weird to us, but it would not have seemed too strange at the time. There were some subjects that were the hot-button issues of the day. I'm sure that you also can think of hot-button issues today that tie religion and politics that people debate. Well, they had those then too. And a lot of them were things like how to observe the Sabbath correctly, how to observe the food laws, uh, whether divorce was allowed, or in this case, whether resurrection existed. So the Sadducees they held to a very strict interpretation of the law of Moses. And that put them at odds with groups like the Pharisees, who believed in a more practical, everyday application of the law. So if there's a new rabbi in town, like Jesus, who's making a stir, these groups of different leaders will want to find out where Jesus stands on these issues. So to do that, the Sadducees asked Jesus, a very crazy question. And it involves the ancient rules about what happens to a woman if she becomes widowed before she has children. That's something that we call leveret marriage. So in the laws of Deuteronomy, it says that if a woman's husband dies before she has children, she's supposed to marry her, his brother. So when you're listening to this question, don't worry too much about the details about the legal issues of marriage that they're talking about. Because keep in mind that at the beginning of this passage, the gospel writer Luke tells us specifically that the Sadducees do not believe in resurrection. So this question, although it mentions marriage and resurrection, it's not a question about love or relationship, but about ownership, a hypothetical technical argument about who a woman legally belongs to. And it's not really about resurrection either, because when a group of people who don't believe in something ask a question about that thing, then generally they're not expecting a serious answer. So what they're really asking Jesus is whether he believes in the law of Moses or in resurrection, because the Sadducees didn't think that you could believe in both. So all of that is to say that when I'm reading the gospel passage, don't worry too much about the question that Jesus has asked because it is meant to be absurd. It's meant to be ridiculous with no 
right answer. They're trying to trap Jesus and figure out where he stands. So on that note, a reading from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 38. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman and died childless, then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So wherever you are today, may the grace and peace of God be with you on this celebration of All Saints Sunday. So this gospel text has a lot in it, doesn't it? I warned you. I actually used this passage in a Bible study one time a couple of years ago. And while we were going through the the study, we talked about the same things that I just said a couple minutes ago. Um, That the question asked by the Sadducees is ridiculous. That the issue of who is married to who is not the point of the passage. And everybody was there who was there kind of nodded and was like, okay. And then there was this pause. And then one woman leaned forward and said, I still want to know the answer, though. Whose wife is she? And I wasn't really surprised by that. This woman had been widowed not long before this discussion. And... Because this passage mentions marriage and resurrection, people often try to pick apart both the Sadducees' question and Jesus' answer for clues or instructions on marriage or the afterlife. Because most of us today, I'd imagine, don't go around wondering about the primacy of the law of Moses or the legal details of who a wife is owned by if she's had multiple marriages. But we do wonder about some of the things that this passage brings up. Like, what happens to our relationships after we die? What happens to us? In the end, will who we are and what we did here matter? When the All Saints Day comes when my name is read and the bell is rung for me, who will I be then to those I loved and to God most of all? Will I even be anyone at all, or will I just be done? Now, those are not the questions that the Sadducees asked. And in true Jesus fashion, he doesn't directly answer the questions that they do ask. 
and his talk about angels and the children of God doesn't seem to make it much clearer at all. But thankfully, he doesn't leave us completely lost. It's the last part of his answer that I want to draw your attention to. It's in this last part that Jesus takes this question about death and ownership and turns it into a lesson on life and relationship. And to do that, he also appeals, as the Sadducees did, to Moses. Not Moses on Sinai, though, but Moses before that. The Moses who, before he became the receiver of the law, was a man in the wilderness who came upon an incredible sight. Now, most of us know the story of the burning bush in Exodus 3. But it's become such a cliche that we don't really think about it very much. There is a bush, yes, but it was not exactly burning. What Moses saw was a messenger of God appearing within a flame, which was inside a bush. But despite the presence of the fire within it, scripture says the bush was not being consumed. And that's literally the word. It was not being eaten, the same verb as eating food. Ablaze, but not devoured. Despite the fact that all logic says that a bush with fire in it should be degraded and destroyed, this bush was doing just fine which is an absurd situation. After all, there are the laws of thermodynamics, which I do not understand enough to explain right now. But then there's a bush that is on fire but not burning. You can't believe in both, right? And yet God says, just wait. Because God was at work in the fire within that bush. And its life wasn't done yet. And then Jesus recalls how in this very first meeting between Moses and God, God calls Moses by name. God already knows Moses, knows his entire history. And when Moses wants to describe who God is, he says that God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And as Jesus points out, God does not say, I was the God of your ancestors. And Jesus says, he is God, not of the dead but of the living. These forefathers of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, long dead, long buried, are still alive and present to God. Despite the years, despite the harsh reality of death, despite the fact that all logic says they should be spoken of in absolute past tense, God speaks of them in the present. God is not done with them yet. And here we were today on this All Saints Sunday, honoring those in our memory, family, friends, people who touched our lives somehow, and we speak of them in the past tense, which is the right thing to do because they're not here right now. Just as Moses did not have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob standing with him at Mount Horeb. But we as followers of the God of the living, live in a unique sort of tension. We recognize ourselves as part of a long, long story. In Bethel alone, that story goes back generations. And in the wider church, it goes back thousands of years, encompassing all the faithful who went before us, all of those who have come to fonts like our baptismal font, or lakes, or rivers, or oceans, and were washed by the waters of baptism. Whether their names are in our Bible or not, 
Even if no one alive remembers their names, theirs are names that God knows by heart, every one. And yet, we do not celebrate All Saints Day to honor memories. That's not why we join together. If it ever seems like the point of the church is to revel in the glory of the past, just wait. Because despite all of the amazing things that have happened in church history, despite the long length of the story, God is not done writing it. As Christians, we're called to live in the present, like Jesus did, tending to the cares and hurts around us now, today. And at the exact same time, God's promises point us towards the future. Our liturgy of baptism that we read during the baptism this morning of Joe and Nick starts out by saying, God, who is rich in mercy and love, gives us a new birth into a living hope through the sacrament of baptism. Living hope of the reign of the kingdom of God on earth and in heaven. That is, after all, what the sacraments of baptism and communion are for remembrances of the past, sustenance for the present, and strong confidence in the future. So today was the perfect day for Bethel to celebrate baptisms. Because All Saints Sunday is probably the one day in the church year that brings us closest to this weird reality that we live in as people of God. Because there is the cold finality of death And then there is the promise of resurrection. Can you believe in both? God says, just wait. Despite all logic to the contrary, just like a bush that blazes but does not burn, a question about death is answered by Jesus with life. God can take us through the deepest destruction and bring us through whole Because when all is said and done, God is not done. God is never done. Because God is the God of the living, then, now, and forever. Amen.